You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. stuff should cause each of us, every one of us now, needs to examine our attitude towards the world and the attitude of the world towards us. Are you interested in the sinful pleasure and treasures of the world? Does the world still draw you close into you? The world is subtle. The world is so subtle in drawing you in, getting you to think that you are on the outside looking in. They think that you are different. That's okay because we are. We are different. The world wants you to think, come to me. As Christians, Scripture tells us we are not of the world. As Pastor Dave explains, you should thus hate the things of the world. Today's message employs you to seek your heart. Are you interested in the riches offered by the world? Do you strive after the treasures offered? Or are you kingdom-focused? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15 as he begins his message, Hatred of the World. You are John 15, specifically verses 18 through 25. We are not going to finish the chapter today, but we're going to come darn close. John 15, verses 18 to 25, this glorious chapter where John is recording Jesus's words. And it's really been an incredible journey for us um, through this entire gospel. And you can tell by the feel of things that things are ramping up. Things are getting really, really exciting and important, and we're coming to the pinnacle of the gospel message, which is Jesus on a cross. So we're not there yet, but we're in John 15. The supper is over. They're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane for a time of prayer, and we know that that's where Jesus is arrested. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. All of you Bible students out there, all of you who read the Bible and know the Bible, know that the Bible is full of the promises of God. The Bible is chock full of the promises of God. And each promise, each promise that is in the Bible, God pledges that he will do something or he will not do something. Something will be given or something will come to pass. 
And when God says these things, when God declares these promises, these are not flippant promises. These are not casual things that are made like we make promises. These are rock-solid commitments by our Lord God the Father, by our Lord Jesus Christ. These are commitments by God himself. And furthermore, because God is ever faithful, we, the recipients of these divine providences, can have full assurance. We can have full assurance that what God has pledged in his word will indeed come to pass. Oh, how we love the promises of God, don't we? We love the promises of God, and we glean from them all those beautiful things that God shall supply all my need through Christ Jesus. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me and all these wonderful promises that God has poured out upon him, upon us. The Apostle Peter calls these great and precious promises. Great and precious promises. Oh, and how we love them. In the time of need, in the time of woe, in the time of illness, in the time of, of trouble, in the time when we, we don't know what we are going to do, how much we need to be reminded of God's grace. How much we need to be reminded of God's mercy and his forgiveness and his help. But most of all, how much we need to be reminded of God's love. If you've come to hear those things, you're not. Because of all the promises that are found in the scriptures, all these beautiful, precious, and great promises, the promise that Jesus gives to his disciples today, found in our verses, is often overlooked. Because it is a promise of persecution and a promise of hatred from the world. We've been studying John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. And we've been studying that that fruit that he wants us to bear is love. That fruit that we are to bear by abiding in Jesus Christ and clinging to the vine is the love for each other. And the love for a fallen and destitute world. But now it seems like Jesus takes a 180. And all of a sudden he's talking about this great love that we're to have for one another. And then all of a sudden he talks about hatred. He starts talking about and uses the word hate. In fact, it's so important to him that in these eight scriptures, he uses it no less than seven times. I see some of your heads going down going, let me the New King James, he uses it no less than seven times. The Greek word, meseo. The Greek word is meseo. And the meaning is to detest with persecution. And the word detest basically means to dislike intensely to the point of violence. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ... If you've accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, if you are believing in him and abiding in him, it seems almost incredible that anyone would hate him. It seems absolutely incredible that anyone would say that they hated Jesus Christ or, in fact, us, his followers. It would seem that this would be far-fetched for us to think about. But this is exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples this morning in our scriptures. He's warning them. He's throwing out a warning to them. They're telling them to be careful because they will be hated. They will be persecuted. They will be put upon. And he's telling them about that. I see that happening today. I see that happening today. And 
the sad thing about it is it's happening by those who deem themselves religious. Persecution of the church, persecution of Christians is rampant. Oh, maybe it's pretty subtle here in the United States, but go to some other countries. Go to Syria. Go to Nigeria. Go to some of the other countries where hatred for Christians is rampant and horrible things are happening to those who say they believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, watch out. Be careful. Now, I told you before that when you study Scripture, you must look at context, context, context. It's extremely important that you keep everything in the context of what is being written in here. In a mere matter of hours now, in a mere matter of hours, Jesus is going to be standing before the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate. And as he stands there, these religious leaders and the crowd are going to be yelled, crucify him. They're going to demand and condemn him to death. And here they are to the Pharisees, to the Jews, their Messiah, the one who came for them. They're calling for his death and calling for his blood. Now, Jesus, these words of Jesus should not have come to a major shock to the disciples. They've been with him for three years. It should not have come as a major shock. He has openly taught them about persecution all along. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. When he sent them out by twos to minister to the people in Matthew 10. When he was openly denouncing the Pharisees and said that they would kill the God's servants in Matthew 23. And on the Mount of Olives, he talked openly about the persecution that was to come. As we worked our way through the Gospel of John, we saw that the religious leaders not only opposed him at every turn, but they sought to kill him as well. So this should not have been something new to the disciples. They should have gleaned from that. So as Jesus' ministry continued throughout the entire region, there was a tide of resentment that came in. And it turned and became hatred and persecution and open hostility. We live in a hostile world, folks. We live in a world that is extremely hostile and a world that is growing ever intolerant to Christians. The world is growing ever intolerant to Christians. They want to take Christianity and wipe it off the earth. They want to do away with it completely. And don't think otherwise. These people running for office today want to take Christianity and make it a back page. They've openly said we are no longer a Christian nation. They've openly declared that. They want to see Christianity taken down, put under someone's thumb. It's a hostile world. But as we who live out our Christian lives before this world, we shouldn't be surprised when persecution comes our way. It shouldn't take us off guard. It shouldn't take us off guard because it's been promised in the Bible. The Apostle Paul writing to his beloved son, Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, in verse 12, the apostle says this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, of all the promises of God, how many of you have that little ditty on your refrigerator? It's a promise. Why is this true? Why is this true? Why? 
Why will we suffer persecution? Why the, all of us who want to live a godly life, all of us who want to walk in the spirit, all of us who don't want to fulfill the flesh, why are we going to suffer persecution? Well, I can tell you why. We live in an alien world of which we are alien too. We are strangers in this land. We are pilgrims in this land. The world is in rebellion against God. The world as a whole is in rebellion against God. If you align your life with God, you're going to find yourself out of alignment with the world. And persecution will come. You know, there's some promises of God you just got to go, wait a minute. (laughs) Whoa. Peter knew this. Peter spoke of this in his epistle. In 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Peter says these things. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. It means, oh, how happy. For the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. On their part is blaspheme. He is blaspheme. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. As to a faithful creator. Peter's saying here, don't expect the world to speak well of you. Don't expect the world to give you kudos and applaud you for living a godly life. For taking a righteous stand against abortion or against any other of these social issues. Don't expect to get pats on the back from the world. I don't know about you, but this doesn't seem like good news. This is probably not the news you were looking for when you came to church today. You probably all were coming here wanting me to boost you up and tell you that God loves you and give you a pat on the back and send you on your way. And woohoo! Well, he does. He does love you. But these are scriptures here that we have to look at. These are scriptures that we have to glean from them, you know. This is a warning. A warning to you. Can you imagine how the disciples felt when they heard this? Can you imagine what was going on in the minds of these poor guys? (laughs) They're they're on overload. Come on. During the dinner, he said, I'm leaving and you can't come right now. Oh, yeah. One of you is going to betray me. Oh, yeah. This guy who you think is the leader, Peter, he's going to deny me three times. And the rest of you are all going to run away. And then he says, oh, yeah. And by the way, the world's going to hate you. What? In our verses this morning, Jesus is telling the disciples to be prepared. To be prepared, and to be prepared for the persecution that was coming. So I am sure, if Jesus says that to me, when I read these scriptures, I know what I think, and I kind of can put my place in the place of the disciples, but it's not scripture, but I want to know why. Why am I going to suffer persecution, Lord? You're saying it, why am I going to happen? Well, Jesus gives us several reasons here in our scriptures as to why we're going to suffer persecution, as to why the world is going to hate us. The first reason can be found in two verses, 18 and 20. 
18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Jesus tells them that the world's going to hate them. And the first reason that Jesus tells them is that the world will hate them is because they identify with him. So they identify with Jesus. This is the first reason why the world is going to to hate them. Now, before we go any further, we have to determine what the word world means. What does it mean? It doesn't mean the globe spinning around the sun and, and the planets. It doesn't mean the world in that way. It means, from the point of view of a Christian, it means all the people, all the plans, It means all the organizations, all the things that lights go out. It means the activities. It means the philosophies. It means the values, etc. It means everything that belongs to a society without God. That's what they mean when they say world. So it's the world view of philosophies, organization, activities, all those things that belong to a society that is against God. That's what we mean when we talk about the world, okay? Some of these things are cultural, And some of these things are very, very corrupt, but all of them have an origin in one place, the heart of sinful man. They all have an origin in the heart of sinful man because what the sinful man does is they promote various things that other sinful men and women like. And they promote it, and it appeals to your flesh, so you go that way. And in verse 20, Jesus repeated an idea that he said at the supper. The servant is not greater than the master, is what he says here. And since he is the greater one, the world will not recognize his glory nor give praise to him. And since they won't do that, they're not going to recognize yours either. Greater is the master than the servant. He's not going to recognize what I do. In other words, listen to this. In all of Jesus' greatness and all of his perfection, if he doesn't escape persecution... Where do we fare? Where do we fare in all our imperfections? I don't like this promise. This promise bothers me. So right out of the gate, Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He tells the disciples that their situation in the world is both serious and dangerous. So the world hates you because you're identified with Jesus Christ. Your name alone, Christian, follower of Christ, Christian, little Christ, That name alone is enough to turn their stomachs, to get them vile, and to have them come after you. That name alone. So the world hates you because you've identified with Jesus Christ. And you know what is really interesting here? Is that most of Jesus' hatred came from whom? The religious people. It came from those who deemed themselves religious. All those religiosity people, all those who were caught in the religious box. Remember the religious box? All those who were caught in that. You know, one may be religious and very much part of the world. I see that happening today. That is happening in great numbers today. Some of the greatest mainline denominations are backing away from true Christianity. They're backing away from true Christianity and they're allowing the world to come into their denomination and set up all kinds of travesties and heresies. And they're accepting it. They're accepting it. And those people, those same people, will eventually 
persecute you and I because we don't agree with what they're doing. Same goes for Jesus' words. They didn't listen to him. What do you think they're going to listen to you? It's not going to happen. So the world will hate you because you identify with Jesus. The world will hate you also because you do not belong to it. Look at 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If you were of the world, you would be part of the world system. And then they would love you. They would love you because you are one of them. They would love you. They would welcome you. But you're not of the world. Scripture says you are in the world, but you're not of the world. When we trusted in Jesus Christ unto salvation, we moved into a spiritual position. We moved into a spiritual position. That position is called in Christ. Our position now is in Christ. You know, you go back and talk about promises of God. Go back to Ephesians 1 and read all what we have in Christ. That is our new position. I am in Christ and he is in me. I am no longer belong to the world. I am not of the world anymore. Why? Because Christ bought me out of the world. I've been bought with a price. He bought me. I don't belong to me. I belong to him. He paid the debt I couldn't pay. And he bought me. Hebrews 3.1 says we are partakers of a heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. This is heavy stuff. Should cause each of us, every one of us now, needs to examine our attitude towards the world and the attitude of the world towards us. Are you interested in the sinful pleasure and treasures of the world? Does the world still draw you close into you? The world is subtle. The world is so subtle in drawing you in, getting you to think that you are... On the outside looking in, they think that you are different. That's okay because we are. We are different. The world wants you to think, come to me. First uh, John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing there, but don't love the world. Don't look at the world for all your needs, to seek your needs. Why? I said it earlier. The world system is based on conformity. Conformity. As you follow after fads and fashions and accept the values of the world, you'll get along. And you know what? There's a new fad out there. There's a new fad that seems to be coming in to younger Christians' lives and is put on by people who call themselves spiritual and who lead worship and who lead music. The main person, Marty Sampson from Hillsong, has renounced Jesus Christ in front of thousands of young people. Yeah, yeah, has renounced him. That's a fad now. Do you realize the power and the influence that he has over people in his music? We sang one of his songs last week. What a wonderful name. We sang it last week. He's renounced Jesus Christ. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.